This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Uh, two sermons ago, we talked about doubting Thomas. If you remember the picture of Thomas, uh, the painting that was rendered of Thomas putting his hand in Jesus' side. And then uh, one sermon ago, the last time I preached, was we talked about doubt, because it says here that uh, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted, some paused, some just like, wow, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. Have you ever, you know, we talked about, it. have you ever tried to wrap your mind around what Jesus did? You know, uh, we talk about, yes, sometimes I'm like, does this all make sense? Does it make sense to follow a Middle Eastern Palestinian Jewish man that lived 2,000 years ago. Uh, you know, when you say it like that, it's like, hmm. Uh, but, and so that's that pause that some of the, the disciples, and they were there, but God has blessed us that we get to believe without seeing. And so, uh, anyway, so we've been in that journey since Easter. We're coming up to uh, Pentecost Sunday, which is next week. And so we're, we're in this journey of the disciples after the resurrection, and now we're coming up to the famous Famous scripture of Matthew 28, 18. And it says this, that uh, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I normally don't do this, but and I see other pastors do it, but I just felt like it should be fun. Uh, all authority, say all authority. See, I don't know, that's really cool when they do that. Uh, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. If you could look at your scripture, if you're looking on your phone, uh, raise your hand if your Bible, your version says obey. Teach them to obey. Okay, any, any version say observe. Yeah, that's the correct version, all right? So just so you know, observe is the true word. Uh, see, you can get a dog to obey. Sit, and they sit. Well, most dogs, right? Uh, but they don't know why. They just obey. Observe takes a little bit more uh, brain power. Uh, it's, it's mixed in with not just the how you do it, and it's the why. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. This verse is really important to our church at Mosaic Church. When we started way back in 2007, this was one of our first sermons. And what we began to do is to go back and look at the teachings of Jesus because he says, go and teach them, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded. So we went back as a church to find out all his commands. Because it's, you know, if we're going to teach people to follow his commands, we got to know what his commands are. So there began the journey of, of going through Matthew chapter 5 and 6. Uh, we went back to the Ten Commandments. We just felt like uh, what is this foundation that Jesus is calling us to teach people? 
to disciple, to live out in front of people, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus had authority to commission his disciples. Jesus said, and we, we just read it, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, there, go therefore and make disciples. He has authority because he has been risen from the dead. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and uh, that gives him full authority. So, you must be aware that God has all authority to uh, make or call on his disciples to, of the Great Commission to go and make disciples and other things. You know, one of the challenges I imagine is uh, one of the challenges as Christians in America, and again, I'm only speaking for America, I don't know for any other nations, we have made, especially in the, in the 70s, 80s, that I can recall, it's like, how many want to get saved? And, you know, lots of people got saved. But salvation uh, and following Christ uh, means more than you just nodding your head and saying, mm-hmm, uh-huh, I, I agree. Uh, it takes, your will, you're literally going from one master of selfishness, uh, you're being ruled by your own selfish desires, and then you're going to release your, you know, God releases you to be ruled by Jesus. This guy was, this person was an evil taskmaster. Jesus is, as we sang in songs in the past, he's a good, good father. He's a good God. Now, sometimes what he's calling us to do is not easy, but the ethics and the meaning behind it is he's good. He is good. And, and we have too many people that say, hey, we just want to, how many want to be set free from your sins? I want to be set free from my sins, you know? Uh, and we fail to talk about the lordship of Christ. Now you have to submit yourself to the lordship of Christ. And submitting is not easy in our culture. You know, we've been raised as good Americans, and how dare you talk to me that way? I remember a kid, um, and I'll just mention his first name in real, remember Sam? Maybe that's pre-Rhea. Maybe it's pre-Rhea. Uh, anyway, so he, I, I was telling him that he needed to stop cohabitating with his girlfriend, um, and he literally put his finger in my chest like, who do you think you are? Don't you know that I've been prophesied over? And uh, I just like, okay, that's cool, but you need to still do, stop doing that if you want to be part of our leadership. Uh, again, Americans, we don't like that. We don't like being told what to do. And so I think that's where we short sell or short present the full gospel of what it means to raise your hand and say, uh-huh, yeah, I'll do that, and I'll fill out a card, put it in the mailbox, and then you get a letter. It's much more than that. And then uh, it's, what's hard is that, you know, five years into the, you know, your church, and all of a sudden God is calling you to do something difficult, and you weren't prepared. You weren't aware of that. So we, as a church, decided teach them to observe, understand the whys and the hows. I think we're good at telling you how to do things, but sometimes we're not good at the whys. Now, when you have little kids, you don't really explain the whys not to put their hands on the stove. You just smack that hand and, and stop doing it. But as they get older, you're going to have to start telling them the whys, you know, uh, because smacking their hand is not going to be enough. 
as they develop their minds and, and reasoning skills. And we're going to have to, and some, sometimes as a church, we're just really good at the, the how to do it. But we have to learn and, and, and grow in our walk with Jesus and the whys. And sometimes the why can be just because Jesus said. So anyway, so he goes on and says, he has full authority, he has risen from the dead, he sits at the right hand of the Father, and when the Greek word is used authority, it means absolute authority. It's like the fullest possible authority here on heaven, in earth and in heaven. So when you ask Jesus to come into your life, he has absolute authority in your life. Sounds a little tough, doesn't it? Maybe it's not something you signed up for. There's principles that we have to live by. There's a, the ethical and moral code that God has called us to live by where you might, your nature might say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, I'm just telling you, when you say, uh-huh, yeah, yes, you are, you're leaving one master for another master, and we, I'm not the master of my life, Christ is. So when I come into church on Sunday mornings, I might have a headache. I might have, uh, in the past, fought with my wife, you know, and I might have kind of a bit of a sour attitude. Uh, but at the, when it's time to worship Jesus, I am not going to allow my sour attitude to determine how I worship Jesus or my tiredness or, or whatever because I am a child. We sang this. I am a child of God. I am a servant of God. I'm a... I'm um, a follower of Jesus, and he deserves the best because he's my authority. He's my king. He's my father. He's my uh, savior. And so, again, he's got complete authority. When he says all authority, he means I have complete authority. Now, it's hard because sometimes you think authority uh, is not good. You know, maybe you don't like the authority in our government right now, and you liked it before, or you hated it before, and you like it now. It, it goes all over the map. Sometimes you may have had a bad boss, and so when you, I say authority, you, you don't have positive uh, uh, feelings about it. Or maybe, um, I like, it was funny, I was, I, was, um, I was FaceTiming my boss, who's a female, her name is Stefa, and she came and preached, and I was talking to her while I was at my in-law's house. I said, hey, boss, how are you doing? And then she said, oh, you must be talking to Robin, which I thought was hilarious. Um, and so, but sometimes the people in our lives that have authority, we, we struggle with because, you know, we don't live up to uh, the standard that Christ has called us to. Maybe you've got a pastor in the past, not current pastor, but past uh, pastor that that has struggled with authority and maybe misused their authority. So when I say authority, you might begin to twitch a little bit on your eyebrow, and I'm just telling you that Jesus is good, amen? He is a good father. He's a good savior, and his reasonings and his purpose and plans are good. Jesus is good through and through. Now, Jesus has supreme authority throughout, not just here, but in the universe, and he has commissioned his disciples, and he's going to empower them, and that's the next week's sermon, but he's going to empower them to fulfill their purpose. Jesus has the authority because of who he is. It says in Matthew, Jesus speaks as one already in heaven and with a worldwide outlook 
He understands things. So earth is not just his limitations of his authority. But what is the Great Commission? What is the Great Commission? Are Christians to be, uh, are we are to, to obey the Great Commission of Matthew 28? What's our role in all this? So what is the Great Commission? The Bible records Jesus giving the disciples this great commission. And if you look at Acts chapter 1, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's just very similar to what we just read in Matthew 28. So the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples was not limited to his disciples. In our campus ministry world, we say discipleship, you know, leadership is disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Transgenerational. In our campus ministry world, we do not think it is total success when it's just one generation. We are wanting students to disciple other students who've learned how to disciple other students. Transgenerational. So anyway, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Jesus is giving us a command to go and make disciples, to proclaim the gospel of good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to all those in our sphere of influence. And I would say it starts with those around you. A pastor I, I, I look up to, love and appreciate, he was being very honest and vulnerable at a conference I was at two, three weeks ago, and he said that I've preached, I've taught Sunday school, I have led people to Jesus, I've prayed for healing and people have gotten healed, and he goes, but I don't know if I've ever discipled anyone. And I was like, wow, that's pretty vulnerable. And then he went to his kids. I don't actually know if I discipled my kids. They know, how to, they know how to behave in church. They have a relationship with Jesus. But I don't know if I've ever really discipled my kids. And, you know, and I was just very taken back by the honesty. I would say that he did, you know, kind of organically. And guess what? You guys are all doing it organically, you know? It's... Um, it's kind of fun to see kids before you meet the parents. And then when you meet the parents, you can see not only the physical resemblance, but the whole attitude resemblance. You know what I mean? I used to coach kids soccer. And that's how I, it's like I would see the kids, you know, week after week, and then it's game time. And it's like, ah, now I get it. I get it why uh, this kid has, you know, behaved in a certain way. So we're all discipling, are we not? Now, we want to disciple the gospel truth, but some of us are discipling partial truth, you know, and, and so God has authority in your life. He has full authority, uh, but he, he wants us to, to proclaim the gospel. So what is this thing that we call the gospel? Do you know what it is? And if I were to call on you right now, which I might, I might call on you right now and say, hey, can you give me in a sentence what the gospel is? What is this thing that we're supposed to, to tell the whole world? And if you could do it in a few sentences. So, are you guys ready? So, I'm going to just kind of randomly pick someone. Um, I'm going to randomly pick Rhea. 
Rhea, could you stand and just tell us real quick, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? You can take your mask off. It's okay for this moment. All right, thank you. Let me, let me randomly pick somebody else. Um, Eric. Oh, Eric. <laughs> Just stand up and speak loud. What, do you, what is the gospel? One more. Who would I pick? Just randomly pick. Uh, maybe someone in the back. Uh, Jeremy. Give it a shot, Jeremy. Give it a shot. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. When Jesus told the disciples to go into all the world, it was an imperative command. To command. What is that command? So many of us, and I know I was included in this, I thought the command was to go. You know, uh, I had a friend who was on our staff, and his name was Mason Corwin. Sometimes Mason chimes in. and So I'm going to talk about you, uh, Mason, for a second. But sometimes I would say, Mason, uh, hey, staff, I would like for you to go to the union. And before you know it, he heard the emphatic command of go. So he was literally out the door. And I would have to call him back. It's like, don't go yet, Mason. You don't know what I'm asking you to do. And he's like, so he'd slow down. And, and that was kind of a running joke in our staff. He would just literally go. But the, the emphatic command is... Um, to make disciples. It's to make disciples. You know, back in the day, I used to struggle with what God's plan was for me. Anybody else been there? Like, oh, what? And it's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, it's by Christopher Wright, not N.T. Wright. Christopher Wright. And he says, when you're young in the faith, the prayers are like this. Lord, what is your mission for me? But it should be, as we mature in the Lord, what kind of me do you want for your mission? Because the mission has already been given. You know, we don't have to figure out what the mission is. We already know what the mission is, is to go and make disciples. I have around um, 40 campus ministries that are under my, my umbrella of authority and in Chi Alpha, and we're struggling numerically, we are not as where we thought we were. And so what we've had to do, and I've commanded uh, with the authority that I have, especially in the state of Florida, I have, I've gathered all our campus leaders, and I've already told them, listen, I have your plan for the fall and spring. It's to make disciples, period. It's not to have a larger gathering. It's not to have to have a worship service. Those are good, 
But the main thing you need to focus on is to make disciples who make disciples. And, and Jesus has already given us that mission. And so when I read this quote, it, it challenged me because one of the reasons I wasn't fulfilling the mission is wasn't because I didn't know what the mission was. It's because I wasn't prepared. My heart was still darkened by selfish and insecurities and, and, and things that just uh, kept me from fulfilling the Great Commission. It's very hard to tell your neighbors about the good news of Jesus Christ when you're fighting with your spouse and it's life is horrible, you know? And so there was a journey that I had to go with. So this, this quote makes sense to me. I now know what your mission is, but Lord, help me to be the kind of person that can present your mission, can present the gospel of truth that we just explained. It's hard when the neighbors can hear, you know, husband and wife screaming at each other. And then you go next door and say, hey, I want you to have this wonderful life in Jesus like what we have. And the guy's like, what? I mean, I can hear through the walls. And so God wants to empower us, cleanse us, empower us, if we can see in the following week, to help do what he's already commissioned his disciples and us to do, to go and make disciples. Uh, some more quotes I like from uh, Christopher Wright. If our mission is to share the good news, we need to be good news people. If our mission is to share the gospel, then we need to be the good news gospel people. If we preach transformation, that God can make a difference in your life, then we need to show evidence that transformation has happened in our lives. Does that make sense? I mean, this is not science. This is, this is what Jesus is calling to, to live a life because he has full authority. We have already established that. Full authority to give the commission and he's got full authority to say, hey, I want my disciples to live in a way that brings me the greatest glory and so that your life can be a light to those around you, your kids. Every parent here is a disciple. Every good habit and bad habit that you have is being transferred down to your children, right? So you are a disciple. Now, what kind of disciples we are, you know, we need Jesus to help us. And he's going to help us if we allow him. A last one, and this is my favorite because I'm going to ask Joanne in a second. Is she here? Downstairs maybe with the baby. Um, Patrick, are you here? There you are. Um, you may want to find Joanne, but I would like us to sing the first song, I think it is. Because, because, I'm writing here, Exodus was not just an event where people were taken from slavery just into freedom. You know, you were not taken out of slavery just to be free. A couple of Easter's ago, and Royce, bless my heart because he remembers the message, uh, talked about how in our journey with Jesus, God breaks the lock, we've been set free, but too many of us are afraid to walk out because we're so accustomed to being enslaved in the cell. 
But we're not just walking out so we can be free. We're walking out. Jesus made a way for us to walk out of the prison and to be free to have relationship with our Savior. It's the Exodus people were set free from slavery to have relationship with God the Father. You and I have been set free, not just so I can stop cussing and and stop doing all the things that I used to do. No, it's so that I can have relationship with Jesus. And too many of us get stuck in the middle thinking, okay, I'm, I'm saved now. You know, there's a whole wing of Christianity that says, okay, you know, once saved, always saved, and you kind of just do whatever you want to do, and I know not everybody does that, but I'm, but I'm saying that he has set us free. The Exodus stories set us free from slavery to have relationship with the Father. And so the Exodus was a, a, a scene of slavery to freedom, but, uh, but slavery or relationship to covenant with the Father. Redemption was for relationship with the Redeemer so that we can serve his interests and his purpose in the world. So our challenge, church, is to live a life that exemplifies people who have been set free from slavery. You want to make disciples, this is what you do. You're set free from slavery and that you have been redeemed and there's relationship. And I struggled sharing the good news early on in my life because I knew that my life wasn't measuring up so I could share the good news. Earlier on when I was at Western Carolina University, I remember, and you know the story, you've heard it. If some of you are new, I'm going to say it, all right? Because I like to repeat stories. Um, Nobody say amen. But... I knew Jesus was the Messiah. I knew he was the Savior. He changed my life. Uh, he took away the scales of my eyes. But I was not living the life. I didn't, I didn't live under the authority of the king. I was still under my own authority. I was set free from this slavery, and I kind of began to live my own king life. And when a guy approached me, and I had been a little inebriated, and the guy approached me who was really inebriated, because hey, you're that guy that does the Christian radio program. And I said, because that's what I used to do on Sunday mornings, sadly, a little inebriated. I was not living the life. And when he called me out, I was ashamed and I denied Christ. And I remember trying to share the good news with my hallmates. Uh, My dorm was called, I think it was called Leatherwood. And I was the only Christian in the hall. I had all my Christian albums. I'd play all my Petra albums. And I'd play it loud so they could hear it down the hallway. But one night, all my roommates uh, were awakened and they stuck their head out and I had been fighting, all my homemates, I was fighting, literally fist fighting with my roommate and we were rumbling and pounding each other down the hall. And so do you see how that can be a deterrent for someone who wants to hear the good news of liberation and and how awesome God is when my own life was not living it out. Here I was, literally they saw me fighting up and down the, uh, uh, the hallway. But Christ has a better way than Mario's way. That was a horrible Mario way. 
uh, set slavery, redemption, relationship. And when we get that part and we are under the authority of Christ, we can go and make disciples in a good way. Our kids, all parents here, man, you are discipling kids right now. He, Adam, I had this like epiphany two nights, three nights ago, two or three weeks ago. Like, um, what, what we're teaching the kids downstairs is probably more important than what we're teaching them, what you're learning right here. I, well, let me put it this way. I think what the opportunity that we have downstairs to me is, seems more monumental than what's happening up here. We have to help our kids. That's why we have them here during worship, so they can see you. Now, you may think they're not seeing you. They're just misbehaving and running around, but they are. From the corner of their eyes, they're watching mommy and daddy worship. Anyway, let's move on because we're going to sing this song. So the question is, are you making disciples? Now, like I said, and I'm going to stop here in a second, the emphatic verse here is to make disciples, not go. It, it should almost read as, wherever, wherever you go, make disciples. Not that you got to go. You know, when I was in the 80s, we thought we had to just go. I, mean, I had to go overseas. I had to go over here. Wherever you go, make disciples. Make disciples at work. Make disciples at home. Make disciples in, in, in small groups. Make disciples in worship team. Wherever you go, the word go is not the emphatic command. It's make disciples. We live in a new covenant age where God's presence is available to all of us as we pronounce the good news everywhere we go. So a little homework before we sing. If I were to call on you next week, truly randomly could you could you share what the good news is and could we do it in a way that's we don't feel like we're being fake about it so this week I'm going to let's go ahead and stand uh, today I'd like for us to just ask the Lord to help us we've already established his authority we already established the mission challenges where are we in our lives and able to share that good news let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you thank you for this awesome church filled with people that Lord none of us are perfect all of us have to wash our clothes because if not it gets stinky All every one of us have stinky clothes that we have to get washed and we recognize that and I'm included and Lord, we say thank you that you wash us clean. So none of us are here because um, we're perfect. We're here because we recognize we need, continue to need your guidance and your Holy Spirit power in our lives. And Lord, we know there's a command to make disciples. So I'm going to ask every eye closed, head bowed. I just want you to say, Pastor, I'm going to raise my hand, and I want you to just pray for me to help me to be, to, to be a good disciple.
disciple and to, to make disciples. Just raise your hand. Amen. Hands everywhere. For your glory, Lord. Not for Mosaic. We're not trying to increase Mosaic's attendance. But, Lord, we're trying to increase your kingdom. For your glory. Because you desire to have that relationship with so many of us uh, who, Lord, I mean, back in the day I was playing so hard to get and, um, and I was living my own life. And Lord, Lord, help us to recognize that relationship that you so desire with your creation. In Jesus' name. Okay, let's sing this song. I think it, it works really well to just kind of just uh, seal what God and the Holy Spirit is saying to us. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.